Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. One of the articles I read, they called Bulls Traveling Cocaine Service. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read that. Accurate? <laughs> uh... All right, very important question off of the last dance last night, which, by the way, the ratings are out. It crushed six million viewers. Good Lord. An average of six million viewers throughout the two hours. What does a primetime football game get? Just for comparison's sake. I think maybe Jonathan can look that up. I think I'd be curious like, to know. Like eight? Okay. Like I mean, it should have crushed. It was great. It was the highest rated documentary ESPN has ever put out because number one, everyone's just sitting at home waiting for something yeah. interesting to come out. Uh but also because it was compelling. What do you guys think Michael Jordan was drinking in that documentary last night? It looked it looked it like whiskey. A, it looked like a whiskey. It looked like a whiskey with one giant ice cube in it. Which, by the way, oh, I didn't see the ice. Yeah, so okay. I want one of those. I want one of those ice molds. I like the. I like like the ones that are like it's like a giant ball. It's like a. It's like a yeah. globe. I don't I've know. Got one of those. You do. I've got three different kinds of ice oh. molds at home. I've got the block. I've got the circle, and I've got one that is just like a. It's like a skeleton head. Mm-hmm. Like a Halloween kind of a thing. It's very. So it looks like a skeleton head it's in very your, your idea. drink. Did Which that, one do you like? The I most? am very broy. <laughs> What's Does your that favorite? Come with an affliction tea. My favorite flavor of ice cube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what's your, your no, favorite shape? General, your flavor. favorite shaped ice cube. Oh, oh my them. favorite the shape. Yeah. The block. I like the block. Okay, I like the block. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So before we dive all into the last dance, and we have a couple. Judd has a great idea and a great parallel to a Minnesota sports team of prominence, too. We have to make the announcement here. Two cool things on Score North this week. And a third cool thing that we'll unveil a little bit later in the hour uh, as it pertains to Mackie and Jeb with Rami. But this week on Score North, 36 hours of Purple Talk. 36 straight hours of Purple Talk starting at 11 a.m. on Wednesday and running all the way through the first round of the NFL draft on Thursday. We are all in here with 36 straight hours of purple right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the Score North app if you want the full schedule. I know that Seth tweeted it out at Score North. You can also find it on our Instagram account and our Facebook page. We've got the full schedule for all 36 hours, but it's a combination of draft-intensive discussion, 
Uh, we've got some new Rewind episode material lined up as well for you guys. So we're all in. I know that it's sort of crazy times here, and we thank the NFL for continuing forward with whatever this Zoom draft is going to look like on Thursday. They ran a simulation of it today that was a train wreck that we'll talk about. The other cool thing we're unveiling at Score North this week, the Draft K 1K giveaway. We're giving away $1,000 to someone who correctly predicts who the Purple will select with their first pick in the draft, whenever that may be. Maybe they trade all their picks and they... Maybe they trade like all their first, second, third, fourth round picks for star players and they don't draft till the sixth round. Whoever their first pick is in the draft, we're going to award $1,000 to somebody who can correctly predict who that is. Entering is very easy. Open the Score North app or download it if you don't have it. Register, enter through listener rewards in the menu, and then you can just enter the player you think will be drafted. So 36 hours of Purple Talk this week. It's going to be a blast. And the draft day 1K giveaway. All kinds of information. Just follow Score North on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, gentlemen. It's a big week. That's awesome. Big yes. week. Thirty six hours. That's put some extra coffee that's, on. That's lots of shifts for somebody. I think it's lots of shifts for all of us. Yeah, if I you think start to all, do the math. Have you looked at the schedule, Judd? We're all we're all working a little more this week. Oh, I, I asked for for uh, the uh, weekend off because I enjoy the draft so much. Deni- just to, denied. Just to sit there and watch the draft, Rami. <laughs> I like to watch the draft. Denied. I like to participate. <laughs> from home by trying to hack into it. So which by the way someone's going to try and do and I'm I'm putting I'm putting a 25% on somebody hacking in. It'll be hilarious if that happens. It might be less it, it might be 15, but something's going to happen. Well, we'll get to a few train wreck related stories later on in the show here, but every single Monday the last couple of weeks and this is going to be just a fun recurring theme on Mondays on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We go through various alternative or alternate realities that, for instance, if the Vikings would have won the 2009 NFC Championship game last week, we went over that scenario. What would have happened? Brad Childress would have become this uh, this coach that we probably have to put on a pedestal because he would have won the Vikings for a Super Bowl. So here's the alternate reality. Today. All right, we have a few, actually. Rami and I have put our heads together with a few of these. Let's start with this one, okay? Off of the last dance last night. What if Jerry Krause hadn't broken up the Bulls in 1998? So the Bulls, they won, so they they won, they won three straight titles, with or without having broken up. We yep. knew that. But Michael Jordan was 34 years old. Scottie Pippen was 32. Phil Jackson obviously had a ton of juice left because he went on to the Lakers a couple years later. Mm-hmm. What would have happened? What are all the things that would have taken place? How would history have been different if Jerry Krause and his ego didn't get involved, and they would have continued to roll it on forward with the Chicago Bulls, 1998-99 season, 99-2000, et cetera, et cetera. They seemed un- unbeatable to me, but I, I was I was in the middle of, of... I was in the eye of the storm, so to speak, guys. You know what I mean? Like, I grew up with Michael Jordan being immortal, and then once they started winning championships, the Bulls just seemed unbeatable but that was like i said from the eye of the storm looking out i might have been overestimating how good they were or how much time that they had left i may be underestimating what was going on elsewhere around the nba and how good teams were or how good teams that were being built ended up being but i i believe that there was at least one 
maybe two more championships in in that group of guys coached by Phil Jackson with some tweaks. I don't know. I don't know how much Dennis Rodman necessarily had left, both in terms of his playing days and in terms of the uh, what's what's the scale that you use, Mackie, when you're talking about the talent to baggage ratio. The talent to baggage ratio. I don't. I don't know if he was reaching the end of his shelf life. Rodman as, was gone. He would have so, been gone. Probably. So so tweaks to the roster, but Pippen, Rodman, Jordan, or excuse me, Pippen, Jordan, and Phil Jackson. I think that trio had at least one, maybe two more titles left in them. But again, that that could be my biased speaking. That could be my 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 knowledge of the Bulls and and lack thereof relative to the Bulls of of the rest of the NBA. But I think there was at least one, maybe two more titles in that team if they don't break it up. Why on earth didn't Reinsdorf fire Kraus, choose Jackson, who would have kept Jordan and Pippen? Uh, Phil Phil at that time was a very with it dude so he he would have certainly jettisoned the Rodmans of the world why didn't Reinsdorf who I think is a cutthroat businessman so I'm not saying he's a good guy but I don't think he's a dumb guy across the board and he certainly didn't come off as a dumb guy in the first two parts of the last dance last night Rami, why didn't he just choose Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan and say, Jerry, it's been fun. You're a, you're a great little rotund guy who's built a nice roster, <laughs> and now it's done. I think, Jerry, you're right. He is a cutthroat businessman, but I think something that supersedes that sometimes, Judd, and it's why John Paxson and Gar Foreman both had jobs until recently, is that Jerry Reinsdorf can be loyal to a fault. Okay. And and he seemed to be he worked more directly and more closely with Jerry Krause than he did with Phil Jackson and the rest of those guys. And I also think that he thinks he thinks Jerry Krause and thought Jerry Krause was right when it comes to some of the disagreements and and the sticking points that Krause had with Scottie Pippen, with Phil Jackson, with Michael Jordan. I think Reinsdorf sided with Jerry Reinsdorf, some out of loyalty and some out of just what he thought were principles and what he thought was right when you talk about the disagreements and the sticking points between the two sides there. See, I think the ages of the players involved are so interesting and in that Scottie Pippen was 32 years old, Michael Jordan was 34, Robin was older than both. Robin was like 36 or 37, I want to say, at the end of that Bulls run and still... Wound up going to the Lakers for a minute, I believe, and then Dallas. Like, he still bounced around a little bit. But if LeBron James and Kobe Bryant can still be as good as they were at 34, 35, Kobe tore his Achilles, and so yeah, who knows? Collar brought up a good point today on Score North Live. By the way, that's weekdays, noon to 2. It's me and a rotating cast of Score North personalities. You can listen to it anytime you want, scorenorth.com, and the totally, totally free Score North app. Still free, right? Still a free app? We didn't put anything as down of, to paywall? As of this week. All right, so go and check that out. We've come a long way in the last 20-plus years in terms of sports science and rehabilitation and rest and recovery mm-hmm. and, and everything that goes into extending the career, extending the shelf life of, of professional athletes. So to compare Michael at 34 to LeBron at 34, I don't know is necessarily a, a fair comparison when you talk about where their bodies were at and how much they had left in them. Sure, but at 34, Michael Jordan was averaging almost 30 points a game, six rebounds, his efficiency wasn't quite the same as it was maybe five or six years earlier. He was only shooting 46% from the field instead of like 54, 55%. But he was playing almost 40 minutes. So to that point, in today's NBA, if you had that version of Michael Jordan at age 34, you would have scaled his minutes from like 39 
And by the way, he played and started all 82 games in that 97-98 season. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't big into R&R, was he? He wasn't, wasn't a big load management guy, as evidenced by the, uh, the, the, the second Rocco year would not minutes have liked restriction. Jordan. Rocco Baldelli would have been like, dude, you're off my team. Right. But if, time. if he played in today's NBA, he's not playing 82 games at age 35, trying, you know, trying to get a fourth straight championship. So I think the question would have been, in 1998-99-2000, could you have come to some sort of agreement with Michael? Listen, man, like the goal is championships. We're gonna we're gonna need you to play seventy to seventy five games at thirty two minutes instead of thirty nine, or would he have freaked out? But that involves Kraus being gone, right? I, I think the key thing here was the Pippen and Jackson and Jordan were done with Kraus. Now the weird thing, and Rami, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I remember um, being just a fan in the nineties and reading. Jerry Krause, if I'm not mistaken, started to pave the way by publicly sort of talking about when Jordan was done much earlier than that. And it felt like he was always like, well, this is going to be the next incarnation of the Bulls. It's going to be this. And you said to yourself, dude, you've got a transcendent player, one of the greatest players of all time. He might be the greatest, but he's certainly one of. And, and at that time, he was. And so what I never got what was it sort of almost seemed like it got put in Jerry Reinsdorf's mind that eventually they were going to flip the page which is fine if Jordan's 37 right but the whole thing of this notion of you know when Michael I think it was probably Michael was around 30 or 31 it, it was it was very backwards Farvinian of talking about when Jordan is gone of the Bulls and I think that was because and they they touched on this not not as it relates to the point you're making right now Judd but I think it relates to a point that they made in the documentary last night, which was that Kraus never felt like he got the credit for putting together the team. And he knew that the only way he was going to be recognized. Well, actually, I don't even think this is the truth. So I'm not going to say he knew. I'm going to say he thought in his head the only way he would be recognized as the great GM and roster constructor that he was, was if he did it after Michael left. So I think he was trying to get there sooner so he could start making his yeah. mark and getting his recognition <laughs> Which is, and his credit. But, but, okay, but let's back up a second. And I think I get the word we're arguing with like something so illogical. You were the general manager. Wait, correct me if I'm wrong. He drafted Michael Jordan, right? No. Okay. Rod Thorne drafted Michael Jordan. So that's where the inferiority complex yes. comes from, right? He didn't draft Michael Jordan. Yep. And so therefore he Pippen. So he drafted Pippen. Or he got they Scotty made the, the trade, trade for Scottie Pippen. Yes. So because Jerry, so this is the logic, right? So Jerry Krause, because he can't say that he drafted Michael Jordan, always felt like it wasn't his construction, and it well, led to the early dismantling of and then the greatest team of all time. He hired Phil, but but then Phil became more popular and got more credit. So yeah, he I hired Phil as an assistant. Yeah, and then but then Phil got the job. Yeah. But the thing that makes no sense is, and I get it with egos and sports and all those things. But when you think about it, you've built this juggernaut, incredible team, and and there's always going to be friction, but why you wouldn't make another run or two? Like, did you did you really think, if Jerry Krause, who's now passed, but if he had any common sense at all, did he really think, you know what, Jordan's gone, and I just hired Tim Floyd, and this is really going to work well. Yeah. Rami, this he is going to... I know, but... No, Judd, he that. did. Think he, about that. He really thought that that he really thought that was the case. Oh, there's no there's no doubt in my mind. He really thought that that was the case that he could do this. Again. What were you thinking as a Bulls fan when this? Not now. At that time, 
What's going through your mind as a big fan of this team? I was losing my damn mind. Yeah. I was like, how, I do, can't you, imagine. how, do, you, how do you let this fall apart? How do, you, how do you let this slip through your fingers? The greatest team ever assembled in the history of your sport. And you're going to let it fall apart? And, like, I get, and I don't know that I necessarily looked at it this way as a 17, 18-year-old kid, whatever I was when, when this was all going on. But in hindsight, I kind of get where everybody was coming from. Jerry Reinsdorf really should have been the one yeah. to step in and and make everyone get on the same page. I I get why Jerry Krause acted the way that he did, especially when you look at the way that Pippen and Jordan treated him in that documentary, and I think we only got a small taste of that yesterday. I get where he was coming from. I definitely get where MJ was coming from. I definitely get where Scotty and Phil... I get where everybody is coming from and why they butted heads. Jerry Reinsdorf, and to his credit, he did step in and negotiate a one-year deal to keep Phil Jackson around for that, that last dance. But he, I think he, he could have played a bigger hand and just stepped in and said, look, Jerry, you've, you've done your job of putting together the major pieces of this. I'm going to handle, I'm going to handle Phil. I'm going to handle Michael. I'm going to handle Scotty. You handle putting together the rest of the roster. Don't worry about Scotty. Don't worry about Phil. Don't worry about Michael. I got that. You go put the players that you think you should put around them and I'll handle the dirty work. I'll, I want all this drama removed. And I'm stepping in to remove it myself. See, I am. I'm so fascinated. If if all of that had happened, and they had found a way going into 1999, 2000, let's say, as long as you kept Phil Jackson as the coach, Michael Jordan, as he said in the documentary last night, the only coach he wanted to play for was Phil Jackson. So if Phil's out, then I'm out. And you're going into a lockout shortened 1999 season, so like not not a ton of wear and tear. They did have they did have stretches where they'd play three games in three nights, if I remember that season. Yeah, but they played about 50 games that year. But it wasn't an 82 game schedule, so you could have preserved something in the regular season then. And then the Eastern Conference was an absolute. It's the worst the Eastern Conference has maybe ever been in like the early 2000s with the Pacers coming out and going to a finals at one point and. That Knicks team with like Latrell Sprewell and Allen Houston, I think. Like those were not NBA Finals caliber was teams. Was that a Knicks Spurs final in 1999? Okay. Yes, in yeah. the in the lockout shortened season. That was some unattractive so basketball. You could have coasted if you're the Bulls. <laughs> you could have coasted through some regular seasons, and maybe you still run into that Spurs team in 1999 in the finals. And you know, who knows what happens? Yeah. With rookie but actually, Duncan, but that that 99 season, like when you're talking about an aging team, that played right into the Bulls' hands. Like like Michael was. Correct. I know 34 doesn't seem as old now, or seem as old, yeah, now as it did then, but he was getting into the golden years of his career, so to speak. A shortened, a strike shortened season was perfect for that Bulls team to make one more run at it when you think about and it. And then the following season, you might say, yeah, but then, right, but then the Lakers dynasty started. Ah, it started in large part because Phil Jackson came in and molded all of those yes. guys to get on the same page. So if you would have kept it together, it's very unlikely that the Lakers would have turned into the dynasty they did so early in Kobe's career because there might not have been a coach to get Kobe and Shaq A on the same page and to B get as much out of Kobe as Phil did. I like it. They'd it, still it be making altered. rap songs about each other. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. If Phil never steps in, they're still having a rap battle to this day. <laughs> and, Probably. And plus, so if Jordan or Pippen alone didn't like Kraus, right? Then you say it's more on the player that he doesn't like, Jerry Krause. But when you have your two star players, absolute star players, 
mocking your GM, if you own that team, don't you sit down at your big desk and think in your head, this might be a GM problem here. Like, this is, like, like, they're actively mocking Kraus, and in Jordan's case, clearly had been for years, right? John, the whole league has been mocking John Paxson and Gar Foreman for 15 yeah. years no, now, and, and he's stuck I get with what them. You, I, get, I get your point, but my point is, it really is incredible that nobody got to Reinsdorf at that time and said, Jerry, just make a change at GM. For all I care at that point, put Phil in charge. But to your guys' point... That's going to allow us to get into the early 2000s, at which point, you know, you can tear down and reassess. But when you have your two-star players mocking your chief executive, I think that becomes a problem with said executive more so than the two-star players. Can you imagine being so good at your job and having so much clout that you can openly clown your boss in front of all the fellow employees. <laughs> you can make fat jokes. Those diet pills? Short those jokes. Di- are those diet, short pills or diet pills? <laughs> and yell at so him bad. from the back of the bus to the front of the bus. <laughs> what a so clown bad. he is and how much you hate him. Can you imagine being that good at your job? That's, I, don't, I mean, I, I've only had one boss in my radio career who I would have done that to, but, and it's not you, Mackie, don't worry about it. Uh, I've only had one boss Thanks in my radio career who I would do that to, <laughs> But man, that would be that would be a good feeling to just know you're that untouchable, wouldn't it? The fact that it's like Scottie Pippen also felt that untouchable right. is amazing. Yeah, you know, and more empowered because he made he right. was like the 120th paid player in the NBA. But what's next? But okay, here's the next yeah. alternate reality. Okay, all right. If Jerry Krause or whoever would have been running the Bulls had decided, all right, let's let's keep this thing together. But with Scottie Pippen's contract coming to an end, and maybe they would have had to do this before the 97-98 season because Scottie Pippen was going to be a free agent after that season's over. So if you're going to trade Scottie Pippen, would there have been a way to to reconfigure that roster so that Michael Jordan can stay the centerpiece, Phil Jackson can stay the coach, but you can bring in some younger mid-20s or even younger blood to put around him? I have two names I'm going to throw at you guys. Mm-hmm. Names that were thrown around in Scottie Pippen trade rumors. At least one I know is confirmed. The other I remember, and my brother tells me I was wrong. We were having this discussion this morning. That's what made me think of this alternate reality. There were Scottie Pippen for Tracy McGrady talks. Wow. That is a fact. Wow. Those reports are out there. It's before can, the, before fact, the second three-peat? Yes. In fact, Tracy said on the jump today that it went so far, the Bulls flew him in for a physical. What? So it was basically, it was done, and Jordan killed it. Jordan killed the Tracy Jordan, McGrady. Thing. Jordan killed the deal. Because he felt so comfortable with Scottie Pippen. Yes. And... But they gave him a physical in Chicago. So at the time, Tracy... So see, this Rami's is where I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with Jordan because at the time of this, Tracy McGrady was like 18 or 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was not... Like, he became a scoring champion at 23. And that was 2002, 2003. By that point, Jordan was was gone from his Wizards. I think that was like the end of his Wizards run. So that age gap, that sounds really interesting. Oh, my God, what if you paired Tracy McGrady with Michael Jordan? But like a 19-year-old Tracy McGrady with a 34-year-old Michael Jordan compared to a 31-year-old okay, experienced Scottie Pippen? This is, the Jor- this is the Jordan stand in me talking, all right? I'm fully going to admit that. Playing next to Michael Jordan and for Phil Jackson would have accelerated his development compared to what he was playing with and for in Toronto. Not to say he would have been a scoring champion mm-hmm. at 19 or 20, but I think that, not to take anything away from Scotty, 
But I think the reason Scotty got to the level that he did and as fast as he did was he was playing with the greatest player ever who pushed him and for maybe the greatest coach ever who pushed him and knew how to get the best out of him. You bring Tracy McGrady into that same situation with those same things that I just said, I think it accelerates the development of Tracy McGrady, and he reaches his peak sooner, earlier in his career than he ended up doing. And I wish we had an apples-to-apples, because Kobe Bryant spent, I think, two or three years before Phil Jackson came along. And so it's hard to say, well, I mean, Kobe Kobe Bryant took off around... 2021, and that's when Phil came in. He came into the league when he was 17 or 18 years mm-hmm. old. Do you have a second name? I do have a second name. And my brother tells me this is this is not true, that this was just an NBA Live trade that I made and have since made it real in my head. <laughs> but I swear, I swear that there were talks of Scotty Pippen. Reckless speculation. For Sean Kemp. Oh, you know what? I, I read that. Really? I read that like last night. Somebody wrote that. No, was it was it, was it was it that's Rami true. on his on no his, <laughs> no 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 NBA somebody no 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 I read that la- no I read it last night and it was not Rami on Twitter no you're right there was talk see I thought so Manchild and, and Sean Kemp at the time oh Sean Kemp man was such a stud back then he was like 27 or 28 pre fat Sean Kemp oh yeah remember in the lockout when Sean Kemp came back looking like Buster well, Douglas he was big but he yeah. wasn't completely fat yet. Would he have been any different? Like, would Jordan have made him not fat in the offseason? Might have yelled at him enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's younger than Scottie Pippen. So I mean, MJ would have ran him out of practice if he showed up fat after the lockout. I can guarantee you that. I don't know if he could have stopped him from <laughs> so getting how, fat, but he would have ran his fat butt right out of practice and quick. How, how long was uh, Kemp still an effective player for after 90, I think, I think that I think that... That lockout season where he showed up out Just of shape him. and heavy was it was all downhill from there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was. It's funny because the lockout season that we speak of ninety eight ninety nine was actually his best scoring year. He did average twenty point five points per game for Cleveland, his second year in Cleveland, but. It was all downhill from there, like just a total disaster. Once he hit age thirty, thirty one, thirty two, and then he was just out of the league at thirty two, thirty three years old. So, in general, Rami, what does it feel like? You grew up a Bulls fan. You grew up a diehard Michael Jordan fan. And last night, you got to see this behind-the-scenes look at probably your favorite team growing up, right? Like, what what was it like to watch that flushed out I didn't, in depth like it was? Flushed down the toilet eventually. <laughs> I didn't learn a lot. Like, there weren't a lot of... And it's only two parts of a ten-part series. So I'm not that's, not... that's not a knock. I'm sure there will be things... That I learned. Um, Scotty and his family background, the fact that his brother and his father were disabled early in Scotty's life and he kind of had to take a, a man of the house role from a very early age. I didn't know that. And that kind of that that adds up. It, it makes sense that he would take the contract that people were telling him not to take because he just wanted security and long term financial security for his family because that was the role that he was in and he saw an opportunity to do that. So I thought that shed a little bit of, of light on on that whole situation. Um other than that, it was just for it stirred up a lot of a lot of feelings of nostalgia for me, Mackie. Told you guys last night on the happy hour that we did, and folks can go back and watch that, right? Is that on our YouTube page, Mackie? Where is that at? 
The happy uh, hour? Did we post it? It is, yes. Okay. It's on it's on the YouTube page that uh, you can find, I think, as the pinned tweet on at Phil Mackey right now. There was there was something about going to games in those days, and this is what it stirred up in me. That was even though basketball was my third favorite sport, is to this day, and I went to Cubs games all the time. Because you could find cheap seats. I went to a few Bears games in my childhood. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, but I had a good friend at the time whose stepdad was a big-time horse trainer at Arlington Racetrack. So, and the Reinsdorfs had horses that they ran and kept at Arlington Racetrack. So they had inns with the Reinsdorfs. And I was lucky enough to go to a bunch of games during that Jordan era. Playoff games, finals games, the whole nine. And when when I saw on TV yesterday... The atmosphere in Chicago, especially Chicago Stadium, but also United Center later in Mike's career, there was something special. There was something in the air about going to Bulls games in those days, and that's really what it stirred up for me, to the point that I went on eBay and bought a throwback big head caricature championship bulls t-shirt <laughs> it's a cool t-shirt though it's a great t-shirt it's a cool it was t-shirt. one of my favorite t-shirts yes when i was a kid and i saw it and i was yep. like i gotta have one of those again and i immediately went on ebay and bought one of those so it's it stirred up a lot of a lot of nostalgia and feelings for me um and and the the footage all the footage that they have it gave me more of a peek like have you ever been I don't. None of us are really club guys, so I don't know if that's a great analogy. But it's the only one. I, it's the only one I can come up with. Where you're like, you're outside of some place that you want to get into, and the door keeps opening, and you get a peek inside, and you're like, oh man, that looks awesome. Yeah. And then you finally get inside, and you're like, this is everything I thought it would be. Like that's that's sort of the feeling that I got from all the footage that we got. Like we'd get peeks into what it was like to be around those Bulls teams, but with all the footage. And and what did uh, Jason Ayer, the director of this thing, when we had him on last week, how much footage did he say there was from that season in the vault that hasn't been released until now? I don't remember the exact volume of it, but... Hours and hours, but yeah, yeah. a ton. So that that stuff... High quality, too, by the like way. Like I said, it's, it's, like, it's like getting a peek inside of a place you want to be in, and then finally getting in there and realizing it is everything that you thought it was. The amazing thing about the first two episodes to me last night was this. It didn't disappoint despite the hype. You think about the fact that from the day we got word that that was coming down the pike, right? Mm -hmm. And that they instead of being released in June because of the pandemic, it was going to come out in April, and the expectation... And and all day Sunday, people are tweeting constantly, five hours away, now four. That's a lot of pressure. And I watched those first two last night, and, and I swear to God, I got through two hours of that, and it felt like a half hour. It was it amazing. Li- it lived up, at least parts one and two did, to hype that was off the charts. Gentlemen, when we come back here... So Jonathan found a story from, I think it's the Chicago Tribune, Sam Smith who was a big part, he was a major featured uh, writer in this documentary last night. We have the exact Scottie Pippen Sonics trade. I knew it. I'm sending this to my brother right now. And Scottie Pippen was also almost traded to the, I'll just say to another team. We'll unveil the details of that as well as we continue alternate reality. And And by the way, if Scottie is traded, that very well means Michael comes back, but not for the Bulls. That's another path to take down this alternate reality. Turn in a guard for the Timberwolves out of North Carolina. (laughs) 
And what lessons do we want our Minnesota teams and players to learn from the last dance? Mackie and Jeb with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte. But for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month. And you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details.